So I'm here today, I'm very honoured to have as our guest Dr. Joseph Scala. He's a leader in the Communist Party of Bohemia and Moravia. Um, I've known him for many years because of his work in the anti-revisionist communist movement over many decades. He was a good comrade of my father's before I met him. Um, his branch in Prague of the Communist Party of Bohemia and Moravia used to regularly host international conferences of those communists in the world who still wanted to hold on to Marxism-Leninism in the face of the retreat that followed the collapse of socialism in Eastern Europe and the Soviet Union. So that's how I know Joseph, but I'd like, Joseph, if you could introduce yourself to our viewers a little bit, because there's a lot more to you than what I've outlined there. Thanks a lot for the invitation and thanks a lot for a genuine monument you erected, let's say, around my person. Uh, to say something more about myself. Yeah, I'm a communist. I'm a communist since my 18th, which means to this year it's already 53 years, quite a long period. I'm a Marxist. I'm studying Marxism from my younghood very intensively. And I think it's, uh, as I said it uh, a long time ago once, Marxism is a genuine cathedral of knowledge. It's a genuine cathedral of knowledge, and that's why it's necessary to know it and to to somehow develop it further in a creative manner and so on. Okay, about my CV very shortly. Uh, in the younghood, I was a lecturer of the Charles University in Prague, philosophy and uh, let's say interrelated subjects, disciplines. I was uh, actively working in the Communist Party of Czechoslovakia at the time. Uh, in, the, in the city committee of Prague and then in the central committee of the Communist Party of Czechoslovakia, uh, responsible for very sensitive issues like, uh, let's say, spreading the truth about socialism and our movement in the non-socialist world through all the means starting from, uh, let's say, foreign, uh, foreign radio, uh, and of, of Prague and I don't know books, newspapers, and, and so on and so on. Uh, uh, but, but it's a, it's a specific story. Then, uh, in the second half of the 80s, I was the president of the International Union of Students, which was a big organization uh, connecting, uh, let's say broad student unions, broad student associations. It was not a political, politically partisan partisan uh, union because we were, we were uh, uh, as our members, there were the um, broad, let's say, students union composed out of different political, let's say, uh, streams and divisions and so on. Okay, after the coup <laughs> and at the end of the 80s, the life of people like myself changed very dramatically. I was obliged to seek for another way how to survive and how to feed my family. But I was uh, active and I am, I've been active in the Communist Party. And as you said, we are, let's say, doing our best uh, to 
uh, apply Marxism on the change situation, not to go only the way of trade unionist opportunism or a parliamentary cretinism, as it was called once by Charles Marx. I'm an author of eight books. Uh, three of them were published in foreign languages uh, and also exhibited in the Frankfurt uh, book fair. Uh, I like to write books on provocative topics, so let me use only two examples. One is uh, the inspirations and fictions of George Orwell, which I uh, wrote in the iconic year 1984. And in German and in English, it was also sold on the Frankfurt uh, Frankfurt Book Fair, or the book which is which I published in 2005. And this is called The History Written by Courage and Rewritten by coward, Cowards, which is, a, let's say, panorama of, uh, uh, let's say, authentic quotations of people like uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Winston Churchill, Charles de Gaulle, uh, Montgomery, Eisenhower, even Truman, and people like this which that time were speaking about those who won, let's say, over fascism, which is basically Red Army and also communist movement uh, as the leaders of this, uh, let's say, big, big heroic history. Uh, they, that time they were speaking in a totally different way than it is now uh, rewritten by the cowards. So that, that's why I wrote this book also. So that's perhaps my, my uh, this, let's say today I am, a, I am a director of the Institute of the Czech Left, which is a political institute according to the Czech law, uh, belonging somehow to the party, but uh, I am uh, trying to do my best to, let's say, involve in the debates and studies and so on of this institute much broader spectrum of intellectuals which are this or that way alternative to the uh, present mainstream. I was also a candidate for the president of the country last year, but uh, it was uh, to a certain extent, uh, let's say, spoiled by uh, a certain elections of Czech judiciary. So that maybe we'll speak about this later. So perhaps that's my CV. It's a wonderful CV. You just, before I move on very quickly, uh, a common point between us, Joseph, is I also wrote on George Orwell. It was the first thing of mine that was ever published. Very tiny little pamphlet ah. of George Orwell back in 1997. <laughs> my first go at writing something Marxist, but it does, it still exists because, you know, it's a very important topic for, you know, every school child in Britain has to read George Orwell, right? We have to read Animal Farm. And if you do English level you have to read 1984 oh, yeah. force yeah. it down your throat completely so uh we'll have to see if we can find that book of yours if it's in english we should get <laughs> we should get hold of it i'm sure it'll be wonderful <laughs> um, I'll, I'll perhaps try and find it that english version uh, because it was uh, issued in 1984 uh, and that time you, you know uh, george orwell was used as a 
as a tool against, let's say, socialism, against our movement and so on. And I did my best to show that Orwell was criticizing capitalism, in fact, and he was foreseeing the future of capitalism. Now we see that he, in this respect, he was correct. I mean, but he had also a, a, a lot of fictions. He was not a Marxist, he was a Trotskyist, in fact, and so on, or anarchist, or how to call it. And uh, that's why some of his uh, remarks on the Spanish Civil War and so on, Two of us would hardly, let's say, support, but but still, I mean, he was an interesting author, and uh, there is a pot potential of his books, uh, let's say, to be used against the crisis of capitalism. It's certainly the case that if you read 1984, not as a, a diatribe against socialist totalitarianism, but as a description of the development of the media under capitalism, it fits very well. And, you know, there's many, many, and, and some of the terminology has become common parlance precisely because yeah. it reflects our reality now. Exactly. You know, newspeak and double think. Well, and sure. Uh, yeah. Now, if you read the books of uh, Klaus Schwab and these guys from Davos Forum and so on, I think that's exactly, I mean, the way, uh, let's say, the, the direction which was foreseen by this great, great reset and you will not own anything, but you'll be happy and all of this. That, that's, let's say, corresponding with the, uh, let's say, forecasts of George Orwell. Totally. So um, we're going to come on, Joseph. The, the reason we specifically ask you to talk to us today is because you've been prosecuted mm -hmm. under an article in the Czech Criminal Code which is basically an article which upholds one version of history over another. And it's part of this broad movement to rewrite the history of what you just referred to earlier, the history of World War II, with the intention of criminalizing and exactly. slandering communism, the victories exactly. of the Red Armies, etc. So I, I just want to read to people this um, this section of the what is now in the Czech Criminal Code and ask you to, to talk about this a little bit. So it says, whoever publicly denies, questions, approves, or tries to just justify Nazi or communist genocide or other crimes against humanity committed by Nazis or communists shall be punished by a term of imprisonment from six months to three years. Now, What's the purpose of this? <laughs> you know what is the purpose, but okay, I am perhaps the one who should say it uh, loudly. Look, this is a new element in our penal code since first decade of uh, this century, about, I don't remember exactly since when, and it's a very elastic uh, elastic, let's say, matter. You can use and abuse it in an extremely broad manner. And exactly this was the purpose. Uh, on one hand, yeah, it's putting on the same level fascism or Nazism and communism, which is horrible by itself. Yeah. And then if you read it uh, carefully, how what notions are, let's say, used there, which is genocide and then war crimes, other crimes and so on. So you can apply it upon almost anything. Uh, and it's applied now, you know, we are joking with those, the others who are persecuted uh, under the, the same, let's say, paragraph of the new penal code, that we are creating 
the club K or in, in English it will be C 405, which, which is the because is the paragraph number 405 of the penal code. And there is many people, you know, there's a there's a woman, she's 55 years old, uh, very nice, let's say, lady, she's balanced, she's a good patriot, uh, she's not his, she, she, she's not crazy, and she dared to speak in the uh, school where she was teaching that all the, the not, not everything which is, let's say, said about the war in Ukraine is so simple as it is, as it is presented. Try to imagine, they kid her from the school, they, she's more than one year, let's say, jobless, and uh, they are trying to persecute her for, let's say, supporting genocide. Imagine, it's only for this. So, we are creating funds to, uh, let's say, support such people. Uh, we created an association, in Czech it is called Prague, doesn't matter, against the uh, the liberation says that against the criminalization and repression uh, and, and let's say oppression of the freedom of speech and other let's say elementary uh, civic rights uh, it's a gathering of uh, let's say intellectuals with certain prestige and so on and our speakers are two signatories of the Charter 77. You remember what was it, I mean. So these are these people are now dissidents with us. And I'm doing my best in order to, to, to get together as broad as possible, spectrum of people which could be hardly uh, qualified as some idiots or, I don't know, people without any uh, uh, brains and without any influence and so on. And the, the, the regime is not happy because of it, obviously. <laughs> But try to imagine this lady, which when she was in the court, one of the reasons, one of the arguments of the court was that she's in touch with me. Could you imagine? <laughs> this was the argument that she's in touch with me. <laughs> which <laughs> So people are looking, are we living in a democratic country? I mean, what is this? <laughs> so that that's the, that's, the, that's the story. And as you said, the goal let's say, the, the, the intention to equalize somehow Nazism and communism, it's a, a long-term story, but they are now intensifying it more and more. And as you remember, the European Parliament admitted some three years ago that very lousy resolution claiming that the World War II was caused by uh, Berlin and Moscow of that time. And based on this date, permanently, let's say, develop it further and further, bringing it up to uh, the case, which is my case and case of my colleagues. Maybe I'll start on it. Look, we were participating in a radio discussion upon the Katyn massacre in at the beginning of the 40s. I believe m most of your audience knows somehow what we speak about and we dared to use the findings of serious science of courts you know of very serious let's say uh, sources <clears throat> to say that look nobody can claim that this story is closed no there are, there are new findings which should be taken into consideration they waited more than two years, and 
two weeks after the information that I am let's say, a candidate for the presidency of the country, they started the, the let's say, persecution. You know, I was invited to the special uh, unit of the Czech police, which is specialized on the fight against organized crime, could you imagine? Radio debate upon the event 80 years ago, and I'm invited to the organized crime. And it was permanently, let's say, further developed. Okay, I started the other topic. You may, maybe you wanted to speak about the law itself. Well, no, I mean, you know, obviously it's all interrelated, isn't it? But this, this criminalization of even discussing or admitting the truth true historical experience of communism um, and the way it's there's been a kind of systematic attack mm -hmm. through lawfare essentially uh, across Europe you know and their laws have been instituted in France in Austria in Germany in Belgium in Luxembourg and now across Eastern Europe that they they started with doing this Holocaust denial thing where they say, oh, if you support Palestine, you're a Holocaust denier, right? Mm -hmm. And then they move on and, and they say, oh, if you say the Red Army was victorious in World War II, you are a supporter of genocide. The, 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 um, the communists and the Nazis are equivalent. And you see where all this is leading, you know, that we are not allowed to know our own history. We're not allowed to know that World War II was a fight between socialism and imperialism and socialism won. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Fascism was a tool of imperialism and yes. that it was the Red Army that it was mainly aimed at. And it was, it was the communists of Russia and the communists of China who took all of the burden of the war in exactly. the East and the West and who won despite the best efforts of the imperialists, <laughs> you know, that they yes. maneuvered against them. And it was socialism saved humanity in World War II. And now suddenly it's like, oh no, the communists are the, are the evil criminals. In fact, the way it's presented is almost that the communists were worse criminals than the exactly. I think there is two basic goals. One is to uh, deny and somehow delete, or how to say it in English, the key truth that... Uh, if if socialism socialism would have been so bad, try to imagine how these 35 million Soviet citizens who somehow rotated in the uniforms of the Red Army during uh, the Great Patriotic War, what would be the motivation for such a heroism? <laughs> it's a nonsense. So this is the Second World War, the Great Patriotic War of Soviet people is perhaps the most concentrated argument in favor of socialism. In, in all, all terms, economic, uh, political, psychological, I don't know, ideological, and so on. This, is the f this should be deleted completely. And secondly, uh, uh, if I follow the recent, let's say, articles and argumentation and so on of our opponents, it's clear that Hitler, is not good for them only because he did not win. If he, if he would win, they would be happy, you know. And there is only one small element around. Yes, they don't like anti-Semitism. That's, that's too, it was too much. Killing millions of Slavic people, it's okay, I mean. Yeah. 
the only trouble is that he did not win. Look, there is a Czech MP, he's for 30 years an MP. Once he was in the radio debate also with me, and I was obviously arguing from our point of view, and he was so nervous and so hysterical that he stopped to control himself and he, he used the following sentence literally. The worst, let's say, the worst thing I connect with Hitler is that he allowed these Bolshevik, uh, how to say it in English, hordes, Bolshevik, uh, there is an English wording, I'm sorry not, not to find it now, uh, the, the worst, let's say, category of people you can imagine. Eh? These Bolshevik, how? Scum. Yeah, the Bolsheviks come to penetrate up to the center of Europe. Would you imagine? This is the only thing which he does not like with Hitler. And I was looking at him and saying, look, could you repeat it three times? <laughs> Why? <laughs> if the gentleman in this, was in the state radio, <laughs> somehow lose this, let's say, uh, record so that we'll find it always, you know. <laughs> so he understood that he's cornered totally, <laughs> but nobody was, uh, let's say, criticizing him. It was regarded as quite normal to say something so horrible. So that, that's that's the world we world which we live in. Yeah. It's a non-story, isn't it, that somebody speaks that way? And in fact, it, it it fits precisely with imperialism's plans. But you know, we've seen in Ukraine. Maybe I can just make a little comparison. You know, where the rewriting of history, when it's not pushed back against, when it when mm -hmm. it's allowed to you know go full to its full length. One of the purposes is to create a population which is able to be brainwashed exactly. uh, and to become useful idiots for the imperialists. They have turned a whole section of what was once a proud socialist country into their proxy force to exactly. throw against Russia. And those people, having allowed themselves to be brainwashed and turned into puppets for imperialism, are now being thrown to their deaths in thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. The imperialists don't care how many. They, they shape this force and then they spend it. And they will do it with any people that lets them. And this is the part to me that's terrifying is they're trying to do it to Poland. They're doing it in Latvia, Lithuania, um, you know, all across the East, Eastern Europe, where people should have a historical memory of the truth. They're working the hardest to shape the populations into, into proxy forces that they will expend in just the same way that they are now expending the poor Ukrainians. Mm. And that's, that's a horrific outcome. You know, this is not just an academic question, is it, of, you know, what happened 80 years ago. This is a way of creating a new army. Absolutely. Let me say several arguments around that case, which is related personally to me and to two of my colleagues. Yes, Look, please explain your case, Joseph, to us. Yeah. Probably. Look, I, uh, we, we are not allowed, could you imagine, we are not allowed even to present the arguments and the documents of the defense. Under the even the criminals which are killing people are allowed to present them, yeah. But we are not allowed, and the uh, 
court said that this would, let's say, be dangerous. This would, this may lead to prolonging the prolonging or continuing in the criminal activity. Could you imagine? You cannot say in the court your show in in the court your arguments because by using any argument in your favor, it, it, you would you continue in criminal stop. activity. Could you imagine? Now, I was using arguments, extremely strong arguments. I don't know to which extent the audience of uh, yourself knows the details around Katyn, but Katyn massacre uh, was, let's say, declared by Joseph Goebbels in uh, April 1943. Shortly after the defeat of Wehrmacht and his allies at, Stalingrad, at the Stalingrad, let's say, battle. The key battle of the World War II. And I, I even own the Goebbels diaries, which he was writing for himself, where he's, and I was reading it to the court, that, that look, he, he, yes, we lost, we should do something spectacular. Uh -huh. Ah, this Polish case. And so on. And it started, people are, let's say, highly, highly appreciating how, how, how am I, clever in, let's say, creating this story and so on, you know, so he's admitting even that this is a show. Then suddenly the, the, it was discovered that in, this, in, the, in that place, the German, uh, remnants of the German bullets were found, not Soviet, but only German bullets. And there is one inscription in his diary that, ah, that it was found. What to do? But the key point is you should keep it secret because if it is, let's say, disseminated, the whole case is lost. He's writing himself in this, you know. So I'm re reading this to the court. And they're looking as if nothing, let's say, happens. I'm asking the chair of the court, Mr. Chairman, could we agree upon that? There is two sources. If we speak about mass murder, Two sources which are of the key, let's say, of the key importance. One is, uh, let's say, the findings of, uh, how they call it, uh, in English you call it people which are, prosec not prosecutor, he's a, uh, people which are analyzing the bod dead bodies, they are called. Uh, oh, the, um, the mortician? The... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, and, okay. Autopsy. Autopsy, okay. And secondly, the, uh, let's say, decisions of the courts. He does not say anything. I say, look, Mr. Chairman, I, will, I would like to ask you, do you have in the first category another source than the paper which was written by the colonel of the SS? He's looking at me as if nothing. I say, okay, you don't respond to me. May I, let me ask it in an opposite way. Uh, so do we, do you have any source which would not of an author which would not be somehow linked with the nazi totalitarian terrorist let's say criminal structures and he's looking as if nothing happens so okay my third question is that you don't have it okay a part of the team forcefully of which was there in katin in uh, spring 1943 there was the Czech professor of that, let's say, discipline, very famous and prestigious man, who was forced to go there. 
And when he did not sign even, he did not want to sign that protocol, the SS uh, colonel. And he was forced to sign it at the airport, otherwise he would not return home. Yeah? His name was Hayek. And uh, after the liberation of, uh, let's say, our country, just two months after, it, he convoked a very representative colloquium of uh, doctors of medicine. And he said, gentlemen, I was forced to sign it, but in fact, now I will explain how it was. And he was using the, uh, let's say, professional uh, specific notions and arguments of that very science, including these biochemical matters, which are the evidence of how long the dead body is somewhere. And he said, I can absolutely, let's say, confirm that the bodies of these Polish people were there one spring, one summer only. And one summer means if it was opened in uh, uh, spring 1943, then only the summer of 1942 was the relevant one, which means that they, they were killed in 1941, not in summer, but later. Yeah, but this he argued in it. I'm asking the chairman, Mr. Chairman, uh, you know it. I send it to you. So okay, uh, did anybody or have has any, anybody dared to counter argue against, let's say, these very scientific findings? And he's silent. He does not care. You know. <laughs> then I said, look, none in the second category. I don't know a court which would where your argumentation would be proven by the court, or let's say admitted or approved by the court. I have four courts which, let's say, approved my argumentation. And I was telling him which ones and so on. He's looking to the screen. He does not care. Then he says, okay, we finish. I'm, co I'm finishing the, let's say, uh, debate because... Uh, any, any documents which you, you send to me, this would be a, <laughs> you would continue in the criminal, let's say, activity. And this is my decision, could you imagine? That's the democratic court, you know. Uh, if this is the very topic of our debate, it, it will last two hours and I have uh, dozens of arguments in favor of what I'm saying. That's A and B. Even in the, Rus in the Russian Duma, there is now a group of scholars, and not only scholars, the MPs, which uh, insist on that the Duma should revoke their decision from 2010, when they claimed that yes, NKVD was guilty and so on. And I, I'm very curious whether this would lead to a genuine decision of the Duma itself, and then what, what the Czech court would say, because, I mean, there is, except of, you know, this SS, let's say, finding, and uh, except of Gorbachev and, and all of this, and Yeltsin and, and so on, there's nothing. And perhaps you know that all these uh, proofs, which were as if uh, discovered at the beginning of the 90s, they were... Uh, going under a very, very, very professional analysis and it was found and uh, documented that all of this is fakes, very, very nasty, dirty fakes, you know, and even a, a man who was participating in the preparation of these fakes uh, appeared at the, some 10 years ago 
uh, with one of the uh, MPs from the Communist Party of Russian Federation, Mr. Ilyukhin, and he said, look, I was participating in it, and we were forced to do it, and we were purposefully introducing mistakes into these papers so that it could be easily discovered, you know, and even brought the tools which they were using. One example, you know, the signatures of Stalin and the others are done by a co copying technology which is known only since the 70s of the last century, could imagine. So all of this is documented, proven. There is, there is how we call it in English, uh, this science, uh, no, no, there are court experts which are, uh, which are regarded as genuine experts by the courts. I don't know how you call them in English. Mm -hmm. And these people wrote, let's say, analysis and stamped it and signed it, let's say, evidencing all of this, but the court does not care. <laughs> court, <laughs> last, last, let's say, moment uh, around this, we passed the, the initials, let's say, uh, stage where we lost it. So then there was the appellation court. And these people, uh, they uh, were looking at us, this was only three judges, and it was written in their eyes that it's extremely shaming for them, you know. So even one of them, when they were uh, declaring the decision, took the file of papers and did this, so that his face is not seen, would imagine. Even the journalists saw it. I mean, so now we go ahead, we should, we are under, let's say this, I got uh, eight months. So if there is uh, any uh, other step from my side, which could be qualified and so on, I will go to the prison for eight months. And this period of suspension uh, is for 18 months. Initially it was five years even. Now it is 18 months, would imagine. So that's the story of, to speak about the history. And there was, there was no way to, uh, to let's say, use somehow in a, in a successful way, even arguments derived from the European Court for Human Rights. You know, there is a case, only one I will use. There's a case of some Turkish activist called Perinçek, which in Switzerland, was claiming that the Armenian genocide is not uh, that did not exist and it, it's an international lie. He was claiming it's an international lie. So the Swiss courts penalized him some two thousand francs or so, something like this, some some let's say penalty. But he said no, and he went up to the European Court for Human Rights, and the European Court for Human Rights said to the Swiss uh, Swiss let's say judiciary, look. Uh, you are not, you cannot do this. So he has a right to say things, such things. You cannot argue that uh, it's somehow affecting the feelings of those Armenians which are now, because it is 100 years ago, so th this is not an argument. And you cannot even compare it anyhow with Holocaust, because Holocaust is something else. It's a, it's a story which, uh, let's say, the legal system of most European countries is regarded that to deny Holocaust is a crime, okay, but you, this is a very specific case, and you cannot compare it with any other case. And they said to Swiss judiciary, cancel all of this, and they were, they were, let's say, forced to cancel it. 
decisions, you know. I will go up to this European Court for Human Rights as well, so it will take some years, but what to do? It takes, it costs some money, but <laughs> what to do? I should fight. Sorry for a long story. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, I mean, it's, it's so um, illustrative, you know, of the mm. whole, the political nature of the law yes, is yes. exactly reflected in the political nature of the court and That's the political right. nature of the enforcement, you know, the fact you can, it doesn't matter what your arguments are. Joseph. Absolutely, absolutely. We don't care. We don't, you can say what you like. We're not listening. Exactly. It's like this, la, 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 I'm not exactly, listening. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's, that, that's exactly, <laughs> as, as you said it, yeah. Because this exactly. is not a court of law. This exactly. is a rubber stamping operation. You have been deemed to be that's outside. It. And we put the stamp that their legal process happened, but this is what we call a kangaroo court, right? This is not a court court. This is not a <laughs> meaningful process. Um, Once I will maybe feel a certain sort of pride, because <laughs> look, there are there are perhaps two key reasons why it was personally, let's say, directed against me. One was that case that I dared to be a candidate for the presidency. And it was not only on behalf of the Communist Party, but on behalf of a very broad, let's say, spectrum of different personalities, movements, associations, and so on. And this was not um, pleasant for, let's say, the establishment, which is permanently claiming that I am a Stalinist, ultra-conservative, and I don't know what, you know. And suddenly I was supported by a broad spectrum of people, including some signatories of uh, the Charter 77, which are saying it to the camera, you know, this was shock for them. And second story is, sorry to be uh, maybe not modest enough, there is almost nobody now in the Czech Republic who dares to have a polemics with these uh, rewriters of history in a genuine, of, uh, genuinely offensive, let's say, matter. People, those who are somehow on the TV cameras and so on, they try to somehow escape and not to react and, you know, they are beating them and they're pretending that, okay, it doesn't matter. And I was so sorry to say it, maybe it's too much, but I have never lost a single battle with the liars on the cameras. You know, always <laughs> I was beating them. So, and I was getting then letters of thousands of people that, okay, you just show them how to do it. And I understand that in the period when rewriting history is for them extremely important, that they should do, they should have done something to, to let's say, kick kick me out of the arena because <laughs> otherwise it will not be it will not be pleasant for them. Sorry, but. People are claiming that that's the case. Okay, I'm reproducing it. <laughs> no, it. I think I think that's there's a, there's a lot in that, Joseph. And you know, the, the fact is that the truth is a very powerful weapon, and exactly. people who state the truth without fear become powerful symbols. Because we live in an era where, because of the balance of class forces has been temporarily shifted against us, too yeah. many of the people on our side live in fear, and they won't say the truth because there might be repercussions, because everybody everybody knows and they're different now, so they, they're quiet. And the second, but the second you retreat in the face of this attack, they they want more. There's, you, so you start retreating and you're always retreating and apologizing. Exactly. And exactly. There's, no, there's no amount of conciliation that's enough. 
for that's these very, things. That's exactly what you said, yeah. Until <laughs> total it. subservience and death, yeah, right? Exactly. So, but you stand up and tell the truth. Well, the truth is true. They can't disprove it. <laughs> and the power of just being unafraid puts a lot of heart into people. Exactly. Well, I'm sure there are lots of people who are very happy when they hear you on the radio, or they see you on the television and say, oh, thank God, somebody just speaking the truth and not being embarrassed. <laughs> yes, yes. Not embarrassed. That's true. That's know, true. Like, you know, you know, our party has continued to uphold the legacy of Joseph Stalin, of, <laughs> you know, of the Soviet Union during the period of so Stalin's leadership, and we won't be afraid to say it. And, you know, we're coming to a time now where more people are saying, oh, mm -hmm. there's something in that. You know, times change, and the 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 specific target uh, of the the ruling class's anger shifts, and then there's there's space for people to realise. Oh, you know, there was a lot of noise about that for a while, but now the dust has settled. Maybe those people who looked so crazy are maybe not so crazy after all. And of course, in the Czech Republic, you know, you have such you know you still have a generation of people who have their lived experience of the war and of the post-war period of liberation, you know, who are related to the partisans and to the liberation, you know, movement and to the building of socialism. And, you know, they can't just be magic away, even in places like Ukraine, where you say they've been very successful in creating their proxy force. They hmm. haven't been successful in magicking away the other side. That's true. That's They're true. still there. They are still there. That's um, true. I just wanted to um, come back really to what you mentioned about the timing of the case. Mm -hmm. So you were standing for president as a nominated candidate of your party, but also mm -hmm. a kind of quite broad mass alliance. And I'm presuming this is connected also to the broad movement your party took part in where there were lots of demonstrations and i think maybe tell us more about because they were partly against the war weren't they but there's mm -hmm. other problems in czech society that are making people kind of angry and disaffected that's true look uh, a breakthrough the first breakthrough took place the beginning of uh, september last year when we succeeded to fill the wenceslav square Mm. with some 130, 150,000 people uh, fighting for that the present government would leave, should be replaced by professionals. The Czech Republic should not be involved in the war, let's say, in the East. Uh, the government should not uh, uh, use money missing for social and other let's say, important uh, items through <clears throat> sending weapons to this war and uh, other, let's say, as if humanitarian uh, assistance and so on. And uh, many other goals, which some short, still some short time ago, would be voiced basically only by us communists and not a too big, let's say, circle people around us and nowadays. There were genuine professionals coming to the mic, uh, like experts on an energetic, let's say, system, on agriculture, uh, transport, and, and so on, and using their prestigious position to voice, let's say, the argumentation that the government is killing the country 
through serving the interests of foreign capital and foreign powers and uh, applying absolutely idiotic concepts which not solve, do not solve anything. So this was a shock for the establishment, obviously. And it was repeated still the end of September and then the end of October, several times, you know, and I'm quite proud. I was the first two of these rallies. I was the only one from the left part of the political spectrum. The only one, you know, Stalinist, <laughs> ultra conservative and so on. And I was once, I am quite proud of for one moment, one of the speakers was shouting there because it's, it's a big mixture of everything that in fact it was Charles Marx who is guilty because everything wrong was wrong started in Germany and our crisis also started in Germany with Marx and such stupidities. <laughs> I, I came to the mic, I said, look, <clears throat> friends, could we quit the wars, political wars of yesterday? If you need to have them, I, I'm never, let's say, uh, defeated in such wars. My sleeves are full of arguments, but please stop it. Because if we fight now the wars of yesterday, we will lose the wars of today. And one sentence I cannot buy, but, but to say loudly, Charles Marx is the last one who is guilty for the for the disaster of this this country and period. And everybody is looking. Would anybody protest? No. The whole SSR Square started to clap. Could you imagine? It was a big victory. It was a big risk, but big victory. So that, that you are correct. Let's see that we are moving this way. Unfortunately, the party itself is uh, a very minor and uh, how to call it uh, weak part of the whole, let's say, story. Secondly, obviously, the establishment and some other political, let's say, parties, they are doing their best and worst to somehow try to privatize this and to dislink it and disunite it and so on. And I'm permanently playing the role of the guy who is saying, please stop it. You will not win anything. If you try to do all of this, we will lose everything and you will lose as well. And I must tell you, this position, people are, this Joseph is correct. <laughs> he, everybody knows that he can tell them more about social, but he's not, not doing it here because he says, now we should defeat these bastards. I mean, that's the key point. And then we can, let's say, fight among each, uh, each other and so on. So that, that's the situation. Unfortunately, these demonstrations dense, let's say, at the edge of this last year and this year, they got weaker because people are not ready to come from the whole country and demonstrate if there is no progress. That's the problem. And the key weak point of today, which uh, the key problem which uh, should be solved, is that this wave of uh, protest, discontent and protest should be transformed into a new political platform. Not that one party, I'm saying, no, 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 no. It should be a equal partnership of all the alternative forces and we communists should be a part of it and we we let's say are not afraid of it because we understand capitalism we we have arguments which the others are missing 
So why not to go to a free debate? What is the reasons? Where to move what? What are the key, let's say, uh, objectives we should follow and so on? I'm not afraid of such a debate. Just the opposite. Unfortunately, you know, on the left, uh, all of the Czech politics, your father knows very well the situation. There is a very small, let's say, uh, remnants of the force, intellectual, political, and so on force, which could play a genuine role in such a in such a battle. It's unfortunately the case, and the opponents are using and abusing it very much. And the more, let's say, some of the heads should be cut, so that <laughs> the others have more space to play their play their games. I think you understand me. Definitely. You know, it's very interesting watching from over here those big demonstrations that were taking off at, at that period you described in Wenceslas Square in, in the centre of Prague. Uh, I noticed the Guardian, which is a very Europhile newspaper in Britain, mm -hmm. uh, has never stopped bemoaning the Brexit vote and, you know, is very, it's the left wing of the establishment, basically. Mm -hmm. And um, it reported uh, a little bit on those demonstrations and in doing so it talked about this broad spectrum as as a horrible red brown alliance right uh. Uh, what's happening you know and they and this is something that's done all whenever whenever there's a broad front instantly is branded red brown red brown alliance <laughs> how dare you stand next to someone with different views than you it's always the cry to us communists right you must never stand next to anybody. Uh, don't you dare put yourselves in front of an audience. So I think that there's definitely you can see that the ruling class is scared mm -hmm. by the potential for a movement like that. Mm -hmm. And particularly the EU establishment was very oh, yeah. nervous, right? Because we're looking at a formation which is which is calling into question the Czech Republic's role in the U European Union, right? Exactly. Look, I forgot to stress it, and I'm grateful to you that you came back to it. The resistance to the EU policies and EU, say, dictatorship towards us was one of the key points of these demonstrations. Mm -hmm. And you are correct, the more they got nervous, that now quite a broad spectrum of personalities, uh, like political streams and so on, let's say, succeeded to unite in such a protest. You are correct. Yeah, I mean, and what I see is the Czech, it's this, the, the form that this is taking is faced at the EU because it's the EU which represents the real looting of the Czech people's wealth, its economy, and the, 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 the pushing of the former Czechoslovakia into this kind of subservient, uh, dominated role in the world when it was, you know, uh, there must be people who remember when the Czech Republic had a had a strong and, you know, proud society and economy, right? Uh, you're absolutely correct. And uh, look, the resistance to the EU is rather a symbol of all this foreign pressure, uh, let's say, a colonization of uh, looting the country and so on. And you are correct. Uh, look, if I compare the situation of my country today, with that, uh, in uh, at, the, at the end of 80s, the difference is, is, is horrible. We were a country uh, almost 100% uh, 
serving itself in, let's say, in producing and selling cheap, very good food stuff. You know, we are, we are, uh, we, the consumption of flesh, of meat in my country at the end of the 80s was almost 100 kilos per capita a year. Now it is some 70 something, you know, and they're shouting that, but by, by the way, all the statistical abstracts of my country start somewhere in 1993. <laughs> they do not, do not dare, I mean, to, to in, in, let's say, involve the previous period. Secondly, uh, let's say, uh, housing, you know, people were getting keys from new flats, not having any hypothecation, anything like this, and the cost of, uh, let's say, living, let's say, in these flats, was something like 10 up to 15% of one net salary. It's zero, you know. Now, <laughs> there are people which pay 50 up to 75% of their income for let's say that they can sleep in their own bed you know it's it's unbelievable we were as i'm saying a proud let's say sovereign actor or the yeah, actor perhaps in the global champions league of machinery engineering and industry you know we were exporting broad range of uh, let's say products which with a very high uh, added value and all these inc all these let's say uh, the incomes were coming back to the country there was no foreign capital to steal it you know so <laughs> i remember uh, okay there will be many examples uh, czechoslovakia was producing about 70 percent of all the items which were known in the global machinery industry, uh, machinery engineering, yeah. doesn't matter. This whole thing. Tool, yeah, that's it. Oh, okay, I, I'm losing some wordings now in English. Sorry for that. So we were leaders in trams, in trolleybuses. We were exporting uh, refineries. Could, do you know how many uh, nuclear reactors were produced by the, the Czechoslovak? 24. Wow. 24 nuclear reactors. Up to Finland and such countries, you know. It, it was done uh, in cooperation with that, that time Soviet, let's say, what was not called Rosatom, some other name. And we were one of five countries worldwide capable to make tailor-made nuclear power plant. Imagine five there were United States, France, uh, Soviet Union, uh, South Korea, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and Czechoslovakia. Imagine so now there is nothing out of it. <laughs> we are sub suppliers of sub suppliers, <laughs> and uh, most of the added value is, let's say, fleeing somewhere else and does not. The country is dropping into a yet bigger and bigger depth, and uh, you know what this the story means. I mean that they are waiting for the Greek scenario. It's clear the, the Greek scenario is uh, let's say prepared for the Czech Republic as well. So that's the, in in uh, agricultural field, 
most of uh, let's say foodstuff is brought from abroad so if there is any uh, any crisis we are lost and uh, we are stole we are robbed in all the parts of this uh, how to call it cycle of uh, processing food then let's say distributing it and and retail let's say sales also that all of this is in the hands of foreign capital and it's up coming up to the, the such issues like that we still uh, deliver very good pork but to germany they take this pork and they send us pork from latin america through spain claiming that it's fresh and it's one year old you know <laughs> frozen and so on. It's up to such perverted uh, stories it's more and more and more so that's that's let's say the change within 34 years which we passed through unfortunately we really see from that the importance for the imperialists when they can't deliver a decent life to the masses and in fact their crisis is deepening and the situation for the masses is going to keep getting worse then controlling the narrative creating an environment mentally where people don't understand what the Absolutely. alternative is Absolutely. becomes super important and then Absolutely. that starts to give us some context as to why you joseph should be suddenly targeted by this law you know we've been following the spread of this rewriting of history and you know people like us talk about it why it's a problem but you know i think it's hard for people to get to grips with what does it really mean you know Absolutely. and i think we're starting to see now it means it means demoralizing the working class that when they're in a crisis exactly. they are they don't know how to respond and they think that there's no alternative or that the alternative is worse you know that's a big a big part isn't it oh communism's worse than the worst you'll get under imperialism and fascism they want us to believe that i think you know um, there was a a, a a a sentence written by a lady who reported on your, your case an italian journalist mm -hmm. she said it would seem that in the countries of the free european union the medieval inquisition has returned <laughs> that's a, yeah they are still not torturing us but I mean, unfortunately I, I hope it will not be the case but, but you're correct this, yeah, you are... this dictation of the truth yes, in the yes. law you know yes. and the, the the holy truth right that you can't argue with you can't show your evidence of how it's wrong right galileo was not allowed to tell the inquisition that i've got yeah. the proof right Exactly. It's, it's, it, was, it was used by one of my lawyers saying that, look, you are, uh, your approach towards my client is similar to that of uh, not only Galileo, but by Giordano Bruno. <laughs> he was then, let's say, burnt. And I, I hope you will not do it with my client and so on. Look, you are correct that uh, their lie is, uh, in fact, so vulnerable that they should be extremely afraid to allow any debate. If would they would allow a democratic debate, mm -hmm. they would be smashed within several weeks with all their quasi-arguments. There is no real argument in favor of the disaster which they are, let's say, introducing and uh, throwing on our uh, on ourselves. And uh, with the history, exactly, I mean, they, they they should, not only with the history, I wanted to say something else. Uh, there is a, a capitalism is in a, such a stage of a crisis uh, 
which is not offering a single solution, positive solution on its, let's say, playground. All the at least palliative, uh, partial improvements lie in a direction to the, let's say, borders of capitalism. Not, not You cannot yet cross them because there is not such a international let's say, situation and so on. But that that's that's one. But the problem is that absolute majority of those who are already critical, resistant, they still believe in that if we change the government, some of the paragraphs, it will be okay. So, and this, look, there is a, the, 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 the problem of the timing. All these guys like Klaus Schwab, they are claiming, look, we cannot, as Lenin said, we cannot run the power in the previous way. It does not work. We know it. We should change the mechanism in a way that once you will get up and you will not know what to do. And unfortunately, the force of those who understand what is happening with capitalism and where it would lead if we allow it to, 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 let's say, to move further this way is so uh, weak today. You know, it's in my country, there is almost only nobody who un really understands capitalism and can interpret where is the origin of the origins. You know, that, that's the problem. That's why people are living in a, in a, in a fog. And on one hand, yeah, we cooperate with all these experts, which are very good in criticism, this or that, let's say, item. But uh, they almost none of them understands that there is limits of all these solutions within, let's say, the present shape of capitalist society. And if capitalism is allowed to move his own way or its own way, then uh, it cannot be better. It, it will be only worse and worse and worse. And that's the drama. On one hand, we Marxists, we know it. We try to analyze it and show it and so on. On the other hand, those who are our allies already, for them it's something so, so how to call it? I mean, uh, let's say, not criminal, but something, you know, beyond what is allowed. I mean, or, or not at least not understandable. Incomprehensible. Incomprehensible, yeah. So that's a big drama. The life itself would provide us more and more arguments in favor of what we are claiming. But we should somehow torture ourselves more with the, uh, let's say, upon the issue of methodology, how to argue, uh, where to show, which instruments to, to use in order to show it to more people. And so, look, I have a, <laughs> let me make one small remark more on this. With a young young guy, 40-something, we have uh, an alternative TV. Okay, TV. It's three programs a week. Once each Wednesday, it's my program, two hours I'm reacting on, let's say, live on the questions of the people. And next day, I'm inviting some guests, or maybe two even per week. It's always two hours. Each program is about two hours. We have already more than 62,000 
org, let's say registered fans. Could you imagine? 62,000, it's almost none of the political dailies has such a sale in my country. Could you imagine? So <laughs> I, I did not believe three years ago when we started. I think, oh, we'll have some two, three, three thousand, let's say, people know. And I'm going <laughs> through the streets of Prague and some other, let's say, cities, and people are, three, four people a day jump on me and say, look, but we like it and you should continue and so on. So, so it is possible. It is possible if, if we are active enough and if we are not using obsolete, let's say, methods and all of this. But it's... It's a big, big debt which we still have. We should somehow do something with it. For sure. I mean, what you're describing, uh, Joseph, is the, the behavior of an empire that's in decline. It's mm -hmm. driven by fear and desperation. And it has a exactly. it has a great fear of the masses, while at the same time, it, 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 it fears the potential of the masses to become powerful. But equally, its leaders tend to discount the ability of the real abilities of the masses to creatively exactly. replace them they they don't understand that they have a, a real force against them and they they have done everything they can you're right to create this fog and of <laughs> course it's it's not been helped by you know we've had 30 40 years of communists on the back foot we've had 70 years of revisionism since khrushchev made his speech and you know all of the ideological confusion and disunity that came from that but the people who, without fear, will tell the truth, will gain an audience, will gain traction, because mm -hmm. the truth is needed, and the truth stands when everything else is falling, you know. And as the crisis develops, the conditions in which people turn to this message are also developing. And you're seeing that you've given us a perfect example of that, the fact that people are tuning in to listen to you in <laughs> these conditions now, because the truth is so powerful and they're looking for it and they're lucky they're able to find it. You know, we suffer very much in our country that we try to do similar things that you do. Uh, one of the problems we have is that um, there's a blanket denial of our existence mm. in all British media. Mm. And even on the, on the kind of fake left, there's a blanket agreement not to mention us, not to work with us, not to let anybody know we exist. And then on the social media platforms, the algorithms are stacked to stop our videos from you know, spreading. Mm -hmm. So you have to work really hard to find us. Uh, mm -hmm. Nevertheless, we work to break out of that in whatever way we can. <laughs> but um, uh, at this point, we should probably leave it and thank you for your time. But before we go, I wondered, is, is there any last thing you would like to say to workers in Britain? I'm proud to have such good friends in Britain, and it's not uh, any uh, empty diplomacy. We know each other a long time. We cooperate, we understand each other pretty well. We have a very similar, if not identical, opinion upon uh, what are the reasons of what is happening around us and what are the reasons of the situation of the genuine left in Europe and not only in Europe. Uh, but uh, there is no way, no other way, but to work on the reanimation of a strong Marxist, let's say communist left, which will not be in any isolation, but just the opposite, which will be a genuine vanguard of all those who are fighting 
the bloody, let's say, system <laughs> torturing all of us. I believe, Jyoti, that, that we will never, let's say, finish this cooperation. I was proud to be with you three years ago, four years ago already, during that uh, short, let's say, uh, series of lectures in Britain. And we, you should be invited back to the Czech Republic. It was very nice to to escort you also through the debates which we had, not only in Prague, but in Plzeň and the other locations. I think even such short visits are somehow improving our mutual understanding, uh, and giving us new arguments and so on. That's the direction which I like. That's the direction which is absolutely important. And I will do my best to continue this direction with such clever and bright and courageous people like you and your comrades and colleagues. Thanks a lot. We thank you very much, Joseph. Thanks for listening to Proletarian Radio. We aim to bring you the best Marxist analysis on current affairs, revolutionary history and theory. Do like, comment, subscribe and share our content to help us reach the widest possible audience. We are a small organization with limited resources and we need worker support if we are to grow and fulfill our mission. If you are able to make a one-off or regular donation, no matter how small, please visit our website at thecommunists.org and register as a supporter.